Okay, folks, today I'm going to record a sermon, a Devar Torah. This one's going to be about Sarat, which is often referred to as biblical leprosy, and what it can teach us about Corona. Today I'm recording with a child. Don't touch that part because that'll be very loud for people on the other side. I'm recording with a child. Uh, there might be other children running around. That's what happens. Um, but I do want to discuss Sarat and what it can teach us about the current issues with corona. I'm not going to refer to Sarat as a disease that's somehow parallel to corona. You'll see where I'm going. It might be a bit unexpected. It should be fun. So first of all, in order to understand Sarat, we have to understand what the disease is really about. So this starts with the very basics of the disease. Those who suffer from Sarat are isolated. They're surrounded by other people like them. But interestingly, even though they're isolated, they repeat a phrase, I am Tameh, I am impure, I've been exposed to a loss of potential. I am Tameh, I am Tameh. The question is, is why are they saying this? Why are they repeating this phrase if they're surrounded by other Tameh people? Doesn't everybody around them know that they are Tameh? Who are they talking to? The answer to me is clear. They're talking to two people. They're talking to themselves and they're talking to God. The second thing I want to call out is particularly interesting is that when Sarat strikes homes, the Torah calls out a particular building material, stone. Stone implies permanence. It's very interesting. In our building of the tabernacle, stone is only used in one place, and that is for the Luchot, for the Ten Commandments from God. Here in Israel, we still have ancient stone buildings all around us. A man or a woman with a stone house thus might imagine themselves more permanent than they really are. They're at risk of forgetting their own limitations. Third, to be cleansed of Sarat, you have to seek out a Kohen or a priest. You can't diagnose yourself. You're forced to rely on a higher authority. Fourth, as part of the purification process, those who are recovering from Sarat have their hair shaved and their ears, thumbs, and big toes dipped in blood and oil. The hair symbolizes individuality. When it is shaved, we lose some of our individuality. And the ears, thumbs, and big toes represent our influences, our action, and our will. Blood reminds us of our limits in each of these areas, while oil symbolically purifies these aspects of who we are. Finally, in addition to... I have a little button on my mouse that lets me roll down the screen. Finally, in addition to all the normal restorative elements, birds are brought at the end of the process. Birds are the korbanot of the poor and the humble. If you combine these elements, a picture emerges. Those with sarat are proud, excessively proud, and they are brought low. With sarat, they are brought low, reminded of their limitations, and forced to seek out a higher authority. And through this process, they are cleansed. They were tame, they were impure because they suffered from exposure to a loss of potential. And they are cleansed, their potential is unlocked because they have learned to accept their own limitations. Accepting their own limits unlocked their potential. It raised those limits. You can email me if you want to hear more about the symbolism of this process. The obvious question is, why does God use this skin disease to accomplish this purpose? Why not talking animals or visits in one dreams? When we look at Sarat, please don't kick that. When we look at Sarat that strikes people, there seems to be a remarkable paradox. We read, If you are covered head to toe in the white, the white of the Sarat, then you are pure. 
because everything is white, you become pure. Then as soon as a patch of healthy skin reappears, you become impure. How can this be? How can more tzarat suddenly become purity? The answer is simple. Perhaps the tzarat itself is not impure. Consider the disease of tzarat is consistently associated on the flesh with a color white. In these readings, that color is identified as the color of purity. Perhaps instead of being a disease, tzarat is a spot of purity. It is a spot of contrast. Instead of tzarat being impure, the person is impure because he or she is held up against a higher example and is found wanting. Maybe this is why the Chumash always says that the person, not the tzarat, is impure. When a man or woman is totally covered, no part of their impure reality remains, and so they become pure. This may seem a little odd, but consider, tzarat is called a nega. We translate the word here as a disease, but its first uses in the Chumash and the Torah have a much simpler meaning. Nega means to touch. Eve is told, or Chava, is told by the snake that she can't touch the fruit. Avimelech tells his people they can't touch Sarah. Jacob's ladder touches the heavens. Read this way, perhaps the nega of Tzarat is not a disease, but the touch of Hashem, the touch of God. Through our conceit, we fail to listen, so Hashem touches us. He or she reminds us of who we could be. Only later, as the Tzarat becomes a warning to others and then a punishment, do the colors change. Then the nega becomes destructive. Then it becomes a plague. The obvious question is, why does any of this matter today? Why am I going to tie this to corona? Well, in the face of corona, we have seen a striking online phenomenon. We've seen that which doesn't agree with those. When people encounter that which doesn't agree with their conception of the world, they see it as a plague. They call out its ugliness, they badger it, and they mock it. We use whatever we see to simply reinforce whatever road we were on before corona struck. We use whatever we see to pump up our anger, our disgust, and our egos. In our effort to do something in the face of this crisis, we condemn others, and we feel good about ourselves. In a way, we are committing the sins that lead to Sahat. We are forgetting that there is a reality greater than ourselves. Maybe when we encounter that which disgusts us, that which we see as a plague, we should remember we don't actually know it all. No matter who you are, you are far from understanding everything that is happening and how best to deal with it. Hindsight is only, only hindsight is twenty twenty. Instead of mocking or badgering others, perhaps we ought to try to remember that those, are those who disagree with us are not simply idiots or pompous elites. We ought to try to remember that they also have a truth to offer and that we can grow through understanding and internalizing it. If we fail to listen, if we fail to internalize and grow by learning something that challenges our view of the world, then a simple reminder of our limitations can turn into a plague. Not a plague of corona, but a plague through which our societies are dismantled by our own pride. At this time of year, religious Jews are mourning a plague that killed a great many students of Rabbi Akiva. According to our tradition, they were struck by the plague because they argued for their own sake and not for the sake of heaven. They served their own conceit, 
not a pursuit of a greater truth. I am glad to see the corona has not unified humanity. Unity is only strength on the surface. In fact, we are strongest when we push and pull and probe and challenge for the sake of something greater. This is the road of growth. But I'm distressed because I'm not seeing arguments for the sake of something greater. Instead, as I look at the United States in particular, I'm seeing pushing and pulling and probing and challenging in the surface of conceit. And this is the road to destruction. Thank you for listening.